This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, episode 210, Mythbusters. Do you believe these four retirement whoppers? Traditional financial planning is no longer working. And in the new normal economy, your host, certified financial planner Mark Willis, invites you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious, be stable, be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. Guys, I'm so excited to be introducing this new summit to you today. We are holding the inaugural Not Your Average Financial Summit. It's a one-day virtual conference for you and for anyone curious about or engaged in the Not Your Average Financial Strategies that we talk about on our show, like the Bank on Yourself concept or income maximization strategies, retirement strategies, debt strategies like the Lake Growth Debt Snow Bank Method. If you want to learn how to get wealthy while paying your taxes, become better than debt-free, firing your real estate banker, then this is your one-day event. Be sure to join our free membership site. It's happening on October 9th, 2021. It's a Saturday. It's a full-day event, and it's going to be jam-packed with speakers and people that I know you won't want to miss. So you can go to notyouraverage.mn.co. That's notyouraverage.mn.co. And make sure that you RSVP your spot and reserve your seat for this very special inaugural Not Your Average Financial Summit. Can't wait to see you there. The vast majority of working Americans are at least somewhat anxious that their savings will run out during their retirement. And most do not believe their savings and sources of income are going to last throughout their retirement years. Uh, That's the situation we find ourselves in today for today's episode. Hello, my name is Mark Willis. I'm a certified financial planner, and I work with folks that want to build true wealth and create income streams they cannot outlive. As we're getting into this content today, I think it's going to surprise you that there are a number of myths, real falsehoods, even misrepresentations, whoppers, as I call them. Uh, that I hear very often in my conversations with clients. And I want to read them through with you here and see if any of these maybe are lying in your subconscious, just like they do with so many people I meet. The vast majority of working Americans are anxious that their savings will run out comes from a nonprofit research firm, the Alliance for Lifetime Income. Their 2019 Protected Lifetime Income study also revealed that retired Americans who are more likely to have pensions and annuities than those who are currently working and don't have those are more confident. Okay, so people with pensions or annuities are more confident about their financial future. In a survey of over 3,100 adults from ages 25 to 74, 71% of retired respondents said that they expect their savings and income to last for the rest of their lives, while only 42% of non-retired Americans felt the same way. So something's changed among the younger, still working class. Uh, And this was all, of course, before the pandemic wiped out the careers of many people and forced many people into retirement before they were ready. This gap in confidence, guys, found in this survey reflects a number of factors, most notably, I think, the shift from guaranteed pensions to 401ks, something that is still working its way through the working system. You know, the 401k began in the 80s, and we're only now getting to a place where folks who've had 401ks their entire career uh, is now going to have to be relied upon as their main source of income. 
Now, additionally, working Americans see the rising healthcare costs, unforeseen setbacks, maybe it's a divorce or a health problem that threatens their comfortable retirement. Those concerns are a major reason why now 80% of working Americans lack any kind of special or specific financial plan that they follow. 80% guys of folks are just working without a plan. And 20% can't think of a single thing they've done to prepare for retirement, according to the survey. So the survey found out that only 28% of the not retired Americans, so the working Americans, only 28% of us have made an effort to figure out how much income they're actually going to need in retirement. So that's not even one in three people have any idea of what they're actually going to need to spend or live on in retirement. And for folks, even at age 55 to 74, still half of Amer almost half of Americans hadn't calculated that monthly need in retirement. They're almost in retirement at that point. So I want to kind of break down some falsehoods, some misrepresentations, some some uh, myths, fables, you might say, whoppers that have really kind of entered into the consciousness of or subconsciousness of most Americans. And let's see if any of these are kind of buried into the deep layers of your mind and, and dreams as well. So the first myth about retirement that we're going to debunk, here it is. Quote, my taxes and expenses will suddenly decrease when I retire. My taxes and expenses will suddenly decrease when I retire. Now, there's some truth to this myth. Now, it's true. Removing your commuting, your work wardrobe, any business-related travel, dining out costs, all of that might reduce some of your expenses that you have grown accustomed to during your working years. But think about it. Your retirement expenses are ultimately dependent on the lifestyle you start to have once you stop working. In fact, the Center for Retirement Research has some data on this, and they indicate that about half of workers in the United States are at risk for a retirement lifestyle cut, a lower quality of living than the one that they were able to have while they were earning income. So imagine it's Saturday, you've got all day free, you don't have to work, are you going to spend more money when you've got more time on a Saturday, a beautiful Saturday morning? Of course. Now imagine retirement is essentially a lifetime of Saturdays, where every single day you're out there at the golf club, you're out there shopping. And so yes, most often your income drops, but your expenses at least stay level if they don't increase, unfortunately. So how can we fix this, this idea of the spending going up while income is going away? Well, the fix is long before you plan to retire, track the amount of money that you spend each month and decide exactly what you spend on. So this means a budget, yes, uh, or at least tracking your expenses in the rearview mirror, if not budgeting for the future. So given that some of those expenses are going to go away, like fuel costs related to your work day commute, your overall living costs might actually go up. Uh, so if you plan to exchange that work commute to, to do some world travel, or maybe buy a vacation home on the beach once you've sold your current home, you know, it's less likely that your retirement's going to leave more money in your pocket each month. In addition, you might take note of any debts that might be paid off by the time you retire and look at other streams of income you might start to receive like pensions or social security. Now, the second piece to this myth is that taxes are going to go down. Well, I think the reality is taxes are not going down. Uh, when, I, when I meet with people and many people think, of course, that taxes will go down in the future, and of course, that's why they're dutifully putting away money into their 401k and IRA. But income taxes don't go away in retirement. 
I'll say that again. The income tax system doesn't just go away after you retire. I think sometimes people think it does, that they're putting all this money into their workaday 401k, tax deferred, and then they will somehow magically get that money out tax-free in retirement. But the truth is, many Americans are, are racing toward a declining lifestyle of living because of those taxes. By structuring their taxes to minimize their tax burden today rather than in retirement, in other words, by deferring their taxes in a 401k, many Americans don't realize it, but they're raising the mountain. They're raising that incline of an already uphill battle to save what they want for their future retirement years and to live on that money when they're no longer working. So you'll still be taxed on pension income, rental properties, business income, wages that you might have in retirement, and, and crucially, withdrawals from your taxable retirement accounts. That means also that Social Security is going to be taxed at ordinary income rates, especially if you have other streams of income in retirement. You also won't be able to take a lot of deductions and credits that you enjoy right now during your working years. What am I talking about? Things like mortgage deductions, child tax credits. You know, once the kids are out of the house, you can't can write them off on your tax return and so much more. You know, the house is typically mostly paid off. The kids are out of the house. There's not much left to deduct on your taxes. So yes, tax rates are likely the same rate or even higher once you reach retirement. That's been my actual experience with clients. I'd also like to say that today's tax rates are not written in stone. They're written on paper in Congress. And we all know that tax rates can change. And there are many reasons to believe that taxes will go up in the not so distant future. So first, consider the historical context, guys. Think about where things have been in the nation's history. The maximum federal income tax rate today is 37%. But in 1944, that top federal income tax rate was a dizzying 94%. 94% of your money gets taken by the government at the highest rates in 1944. So we are currently in low tax rates, but these lower tax rates are currently set to expire in 2025. We're just four years away, guys. That's coming up. And with a ballooning budget deficit, an aging population, and entitlement spending increases that I see, taxes are likely going up. It's not a you know red problem, a blue problem. It's a math problem. This is not a political statement. This is a mathematical statement. So finally, the final reason why you're likely going to face higher taxes in retirement has nothing to do with macroeconomics or who's in the White House or Congress. The simple fact is you typically will be wealthier by the time you retire. Like Again, if you've continued to invest and save for retirement diligently, you know, if you're packing money into that 401k and for some reason you think you're going to be in a lower tax bracket, the presumption there is that you failed. If, if you're not in a higher bracket in retirement, your investments failed. If you're poorer in retirement than you are today, that means your investments project failed. So if you think that you're going to do well in the market, then we should also assume that your taxes will be higher in the future. So the last thing I'll just mention here is a quick fix for higher taxes. What can you do if you find yourself in a higher tax bracket and you're already in retirement and you can't go back in time and put money into bank on yourself type whole life policies or other Roth style arrangements that we help folks set up. Well, here's an idea. If you find yourself in a higher tax bracket than you feel comfortable in in retirement, what can you do? Well, at some point, and it's currently set to age 72, 
something called required minimum distributions are forced to be taken out of your IRAs and 401ks. That's the current law that they force you to take the money out of your 401k and IRA. Essentially, the government's tired of your deferral and is ready to start getting theirs. They're ready to start getting paid off that 401k you've so diligently saved and invested over the years. So at age 72, you might find out that you're now eligible for some tax advantages, something that younger folks just like us can't do. And there's a tax law that allows taxpayers, if you're age 72 or older, to make contributions directly from your IRAs and 401ks to a qualifying charity. And those count as qualified charitable donations. I'm going to call them QCDs, QCDs. And it can come straight from your required minimum distributions out of your IRA and 401k. So if you find yourself at that age and you don't need the money out of your 401k or IRA, then you can certainly give that money to charity and write that, that uh, contribution off and not have to receive that income. And that's a great way to keep your tax bracket as low as possible. Other people are able to deduct uh, unreimbursable medical expenses as long as it exceeds a certain amount of your adjusted gross income. And for the 2019 tax year, that was 10%. You had to, to meet that threshold of 10% of your adjusted gross income. So those are some simple ways to lower your taxes even after you're retired. Let's move on to the second myth busting. Uh, the myth is, I won't have to worry about the stock market after I retire. A MetLife study in 2005 asked retirees how much they felt like they could safely take out of their retirement portfolio and not run out of money. That's a key question most people don't think about. But their response to the survey was surprising. They said they could easily pull, wait for it, 10% of their money out every year and never run out of money. Of course, 10% withdrawals means that if the market did what it did from 2001 to 2011, that's a decade where we had exactly no growth in the market. If folks were taking 10% of their money out every year, after 10 years, they'd be out of cash. 10 times 10 is 100% gone, spent at the grocery store. So the question is, what is a reasonable amount that we can take out of our retirement accounts every year and not have to worry about running out of money? Well, in the 1990s, a retirement researcher named Bill Bingen did some of that math for us. Thank goodness somebody did the math. Bill did Monte Carlo scenarios, 100,000 math equations on the last 70 years of the market and scrambled all the sequence of returns, the order in which the market gave us you know, yield, results, up years, down years, sideways years, everything. His computer model came back that 4% was the safe and sustainable portfolio withdrawal rate. So if you had a million dollars in your retirement account, the true safe and sustainable amount of money you could live on each year was about 40,000 bucks. For him, this was the solution to longevity risk, the, the risk that you might outlive your retirement savings. If you just took 40,000 bucks a year off your million, you'd be just fine. Now, it's been more than 25 years since Mr. Bingen, a financial advisor, created the so-called 4% rule. That's the idea of taking that money out at 4% a year. Now, that was back when bonds he calculated in his scenarios were earning an average of about 6.5%. But these days, the bonds are only at 2.2% in today's environment. And even some of them are going lower. Now, everybody across the board, whether it's Vanguard or The Economist magazine or retirement researchers like David Blanchett or Wade Fowle, they're saying 4% is way too rich. 
and they need to back that down. In fact, they say the 4% rule is only giving us now a 50-50 shot of outliving our money. Now they're saying it's needing to be closer to 2.8% that can be safely taken out of your retirement accounts and live on for the rest of your life. In fact, they say for 30 years. So on a million dollar retirement, that's about 28,000 bucks a year. So if you needed $100,000 to live on for, for lifestyle and to keep up with the Joneses and to visit the grandkids, and after Social Security and everything is factored in, you need $100,000 to live on, that means you'd need $3.3 million waiting for you on day one of retirement to meet that income need. What used to be an expensive proposition to retire now just became almost twice as expensive. So that's the first issue I take with the 4% rule. The second issue I have with the 4% rule is that it doesn't take into account human behavior. People buy high and sell low at the exact opposite times that they should. It's really difficult looking into the future, how you're going to act in those moments. You know, you've never been this old before, and you've never seen what the market is doing today. Too often, people are going to pull money out of their accounts at exactly the wrong times. And then they'll be lured back into the market at exactly the wrong times to buy in. And that throws that 4% rule calculation way off. That's the second issue. The third issue I have with the 4% rule, as it's been stated, is that you've got to have this account balance of $3.3 million and you cannot touch it. You'll feel like a, a you know triple millionaire as you get your 401k account statement out each year. You're going to see that big number on that account statement. You're going to feel flush with cash. So you're going to go out and what do you do with, with money when you feel like your wallet's full? You spend it. That's right. You spend it. It could be taking a trip around the world or fixing the roof or getting some sort of luxury car. And when you see that $3.3 million, you just think, hey, this is mine to spend. We oftentimes might forget when we see that $3.3 million that every last dollar of that is earmarked for that rule, the 4% rule. And you can never take out more than that because it's all allocated for your bills. You need even more than the $3.3 million to set aside for luxury expenses and emergencies. The 20 years right before you retire is a wonderful time where you're not spending your retirement money and it's allowed to sit, sit there pretty. But not only that, you're typically contributing to your retirement money. So it's very easy to watch your account balance grow. Sure, there's negative years. The market's going to give you evening news concerns and so forth. But you don't have to worry because the money is there and you don't have to really spend it. You just don't even have to watch it. In fact, the oh-so-average financial advisors will tell you just don't look at your account balance. So just look at what happens from the market's perspective from the year 2000 to year 2020. Over a 20-year period there, the average return of the S&P 500, if we include dividends from 2000 to 2020, was 8.19%. And that's pretty nice. 8.19%, that's pretty good. And that's with two market crashes and a pandemic thrown in there to boot. 8.19%, not too shabby. But strangely, even if we had just no fees in our investment accounts and no taxes due, if we had just thrown a million dollars in our IRA and had no fees and no taxes over a 20-year period, that $1 million would grow to $3.8 bucks by the end of 2020. That's pretty cool. But wait a minute. Remember I said the market did 8.19%? Well, your actual money, if you do the math on your million dollars growing to 3.8, that's only a 6.61% return. 6.6% 6 
last time I checked, is not as big as 8.19. So how is that possible? How do we end up with a lower rate of return if we simply just watch the index? We just dumped our million bucks into a no-fee, no-tax index fund, and yet we, we lost almost a quarter of the returns of the market just by using dollars instead of percentages. You know, how did we lose that much just because of volatility? It's due to the volatility of your money going down and up and down and up. That's the problem with average rates of return and why we call our show the Not Your Average Financial Podcast, because there's nothing less efficient than going up and down and up and down when all you need to do is go from start to finish. And don't forget, guys, fees would reduce your returns even further. If you had a fee on this investment account of, let's say, 1.5%, and you know the average fees on IRAs in this country is 1.9%, according to the Department of Labor, then your invested return, that million dollars, would actually only be 5%. 5% over 20 years. Yuck. 5% over 20 years does not make me stand up and cheer especially thinking back over what's happened in the market over these last 20 years. So even so, once you get your retirement money, everything should be fine, right? Now that we've reached our, our pinnacle age, when we retire, it's 2020, we made it through the pandemic, we're no longer having to worry about the market, right? At least that's what the myth would have us believe. But the truth is scarier. As we mentioned earlier, the 4% rule applies to that retirement bucket and you have to stick to it both in good years and bad years. Okay, so if we were going to do all of this over again, now that you're retired, let's rerun the scenario from 2000 to 2020. But now you're also taking money out of your retirement account. So in the year 2001 and 2002, 2000 through 2002, that's the first three years of your retirement, your money would be destroyed by a three-year market crash. Of course, you'd likely be opening up your account statements at that point. And of course, you probably didn't know when you retired and got that golden watch at the employer's uh, retirement party with the sheet cake and everything that we were going to enter this long three-year bear market, but that's just the way the chips fell. So the first trauma of your retirement account was that three-year market downturn, coupled with, of course, the double trauma of you also taking out $40,000 a year out of your retirement account. In fact, because of that double pain, after the third year, your million dollars of retirement money has dropped to only $515,000. If you lost half of your life savings in just the first three years of your retirement, but you expected to live a full 30 years in retirement, would you open up your account statement? <laughs> I would. Would you be kind of worried? I would. I mean, even if you stuck with it for the next 20-something years, after accounting and withdrawals and fees and market turbulence, your internal rate of return in this beaten and bruised retirement account would be only 1.86%. 1.86%. But really, could you have stuck with the stock market, the S&P 500, as you turned 65, 75, 85 years old without knowing the future? But if you didn't know the future, and if and even if you did know the future, that you'd have only a 1.86% return after withdrawals and fees and market volatility? Would you endure the market's madness for that kind of a return? If you're like most people I meet, they're looking 
you know, when the market crashes, they move quickly to bonds or other safe money alternatives. But doing that would make the return even less than staying all in on the stock market, the S&P 500. And if you move to bonds or other safe money alternatives in the invested account, then you won't rebound when the market comes roaring back like it did in 2003, 2004, and so forth, and the years following 2008. So just when you're starting to feel good about the market again, wham, another downturn, wrecks your future again. So that is the second myth that you won't have to worry about the stock market after you retire. You absolutely will. Third myth is every day will be like a vacation. So whether you dream of not waking up to an alarm clock each morning, like you did over the last several decades, or maybe you're just simply looking forward to a day without commitments, meetings, the common retirement misconception swirls around you that there's this endless free time and it equates to joy and contentment. So imagine maybe you've worked 40 plus years at a job that you've only had to tolerate just because you needed to pay the bills. And thankfully you saved enough of your money to put it away. And now you can finally take that job and shove it. Your retirement is near. You pack up your house and you move to a beautiful beach where you've waited decades to move to. Your first day in years, you won't have meetings, TPS reports to submit to your manager. You'll get in your swimsuit that morning. You'll grab your sunglasses and you'll walk out to the beach. Once you're there though, you kind of are a little restless. You don't know what to do. So you grab a spot on the sand and you just try to get comfortable. You know, you're exhausted from years of overwork and you fall asleep. And a few hours later, you wake up and you're totally baked. I mean, you're roasted, you're sunburned to the crisp and dehydrated. You limp back home, scorching and peeling. You spend the next two weeks inside watching the news, wondering why your colleagues aren't calling you anymore, why your email inbox doesn't fill up as fast as it used to. And in about a month or two, you're becoming listless and wish somebody would give you something meaningful to work on. You begin searching indeed.com looking for work. That's, you know, more than half of retirees who responded to a study and they, it was conducted by the Rand corporation. They said they'd willingly return to work. If the right opportunity presented itself more than half of retirees further, they said that nearly 40% of re respondents who are 65 years old or older were currently employed, even despite retiring, even with the gold watch in hand. While their motivations for working or wanting to work after retirement wasn't really defined in the study, I think their response debunks the myth that all older adults want to do is spend time in their rocking chair or on a golf course. Even though there's this sort of emerging trend of something called the unretirement phase of life, the unretirement, it doesn't mean you have to stay in the same profession that you worked in in most of your life. It just demonstrates that retirement doesn't mean the end of your professional life it might be the start of a new chapter in your life and work. So this is a situation I see more often than you guys might think. So what is the solution to that burnt crisp on the beach? Here are two quick ideas. One, retirees often find that a sense of purpose is more important than nonstop relaxation. It's back to the old Pinocchio fallacy of Pleasure Island. You know, Pleasure Island sounds and looks great, but if you spend too much time there, you turn into a donkey. <laughs> In fact, it, your mental health and your physical health could benefit with some purpose. A study published by the Journal of the American Medical Association found a correlation between strength, vitality, and one sense that they have a purpose, a person's purpose that they are giving back to society. 
You might consider seeking opportunities, possibly to volunteer with local organizations, mentoring young students and professionals. If you've had the privilege, maybe as working as a specialist in your field of work, you might look into volunteering with your local SCORE chapter. SCORE is a nonprofit association. They're dedicated to educating entrepreneurs, helping small businesses start and grow and succeed. It's a nationwide organization. SCORE is a resource partner with the U.S. Small Business Administration, and they've been mentoring small business owners for more than 40 years. They've got 11,000 volunteers who are typically small business entrepreneurs, people who've run successful businesses, and they will counsel new entrepreneurs, young entrepreneurs at no charge. It's free. So whether you are pre-retiree looking for some advice or you are retired, I think SCORE might be a really interesting way to find purpose in your life and also to, as a young entrepreneur to get the advice you might be seeking without paying some consultant $30,000 a year. So I'm not saying don't spend time in relaxation uh, after a lifelong chapter of hard work. While I think meaning comes in serving others, there's also an important time in your life to simply relax. But why should we wait till the end when our bodies are not as nimble as they once were? Why not take some trial runs at this whole retirement thing? So my second idea is if, hey, if you dream of moving to a part of the world after you retire, you might try spending a month or two or six there. Go a couple of times. See what it's like in the winter, in the summer. I'm not just talking about a weekend getaway to Florida. You know, what if you could take some of the time at the end of your retirement life and grab it and pull it forward to right now in your youth? This way you can at least practice and even do a trial run. If you want to live in Costa Rica or Belize with the beautiful black howler monkeys, you know, those black howler monkeys might look beautiful, but at 2.30 a.m., as they're yelling at you in the jungle, you might wish for your manager yelling at you for those TPS reports all over again. So give that retirement a trial run. That is the third myth. The fourth myth is I'll get to choose when I retire. I'll get to choose when I retire. I hear this one a lot. Perhaps you've heard that the best way to make God laugh is to tell him what your plans are. And this especially relates to your plans for retirement. So again, research from the Center for Retirement Research reveals that on average, 21% of workers intend to work to age 66 or later. The share of workers who say they'll expect to work past age 65 rose from 16% in 1991 to 48% in 2018. Wow. But the study shows that 37% of all workers end up retiring earlier than they had planned. I'm going to say that again, guys. That's a big statement. 37% of workers end up retiring earlier than they had planned. Here are the three reasons the study found, and this is according to the Center for Retirement Research at Boston College, poor health, employment changes, and family needs. So first thing is poor health. A health issue obviously can create a sudden and severe change in your employment, or it could be increasingly chronic. So either way, you've got to quit work sooner than maybe you planned. And your health does not appear on your calendar, guys. They, you know, your, your heart attack didn't set an appointment with you for next Tuesday. It could happen in a moment or even days in advance. The employment shock is the number two reason why folks don't work as long as they plan to or need to. And there are typically three reasons for employment shocks. You might move to a new job and it just doesn't work out. Uh, you lose your job due to a layoff or maybe your business closes. You rebound to find a new job, but it's just not a good fit. 
And then of course, the obvious one is you lose your job and you don't find a new one. And finally, all kinds of family issues can trip up your plans to work until later years. Your spouse changes employers. Maybe that requires you to move and you can't find work in the new place. Your spouse retires and you feel the pressure to spend more time together. You know, saying, of course, you know, hey, we're not getting any younger. Maybe your spouse's poor health means you've got to choose between working and caring for your sweetheart. Maybe your marital status changes. You might get married. You might become unmarried. Either way, that upheaval in your personal life might make it unrealistic to just keep on the daily grind. Maybe your kids move back home or, or maybe they don't move out in the first place. You know, this still happens and it can sap your strength, your energy, your vitality. Work just won't work. Your first grandchild might come along and you've got that sudden urge and lots of pleading from, from your son or daughter to become a full-time babysitter grandparent. I mean, who can work in the face of that beautiful baby cooing at you? And maybe you have a, an aging parent who needs your care. Mom or dad needs your attention. They helped you when you were young. Now you've got to help them. That becomes unpredictable, urgent, and it can last for years. I've met so many clients who have aging parents and it's just sort of a ongoing chronic condition that their you know, elderly parent faces. Maybe your parent can't live alone and they've got to have some extra help. It's really hard to go off to work in the morning, leaving an elderly mother or father alone all day in the house. And since reliable care is so expensive, you just decide to quit your job and become a full-time caretaker. So the truth is, we don't just get to plan our retirement and, and our end date of work. So how do you fix this? How do you fix this misconception? So nobody thinks a forced early retirement is going to happen to them. But again, a large percentage of us are wrong. It does happen. So one key piece is to prepare for the worst. Assume that you're going to retire earlier than you plan. The fact is, chances are about 50-50 that retirement will come sooner than you want. So this means you've got to save more. Beginning right now, according to the study by the Stanford Center on Longevity, you need to be saving somewhere between 10 and 17% of your income just for retirement. That's not including you know, vacations, home repairs, anything else. If you're not saving that much already, aim for 17% rather than just 10%. And then next, you know, realize that you shouldn't risk what you cannot afford to lose. I'll say that again. That's a big key belief for me. You should not risk what you cannot afford to lose. You wouldn't gamble your retirement savings on casinos. The risk is too great. You know, but perhaps less obvious, but just as true is that the risk is also too great in the stock market. Saving a big chunk of your retirement money where it's guaranteed, safe against market risk, where you'll receive competitive growth on your money. And don't forget, there's some favorable tax treatments too. I mean, we've looked at 450 strategies, concepts, schemes to build wealth, and the not your average financial strategies like bank on yourself and more to offer guaranteed protected income for as long as you live, that's a strategy that I can get behind. If you want to dive deeper and move past the retirement myths that so many people are plagued with to get to some real financial strategies that can protect you as long as you live, the first step is to keep listening. The next few weeks, we're going to be diving deeper into some of these concepts that are helping many of my clients reach their maximum income potential for their life, both now and in retirement. The second is to get into the front of the line and just give us a call for a 15-minute income strategy session. We'll strategize at that income strategy session the best way to help you avoid these retirement myths 
and find the life you want to live both now and throughout the rest of your life into the future. So guys, I want to thank you for today's episode. It's a privilege as always to get to speak to you and to share some of these ideas, to bust some myths. We're going to do another round of myth busting. I feel I'm, I got it in my bones today. So I'm, I'm feeling like a little more myth busting. We're going to be looking at myth busting around annuities and how they can become some of the best parts of your financial future to protect that guaranteed income. But I'll have to make you wait a week. Um, so don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss that next episode. And until then, thank you for joining me for this week's episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think and live different with your money, your economy, and your future. This has been another episode of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. To join a financial revolution and start thinking different about money, go to www.nyafinancialpodcast.com and click Request a Meeting. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.